Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Bright Young Things. This week, Sophia and I are sitting down with Jen and Steph, the hosts of the amazing podcast Mod, Books, Babes, and Robituates. This podcast goes in-depth about the life and times of the Canadian author Lucy Maud Montgomery, including her most famous works, her personal struggles, and her enduring legacy. Find Jen and Steph at Mod Books, Babes, and Robituates on Spotify, as well as at Mod the Pod on Instagram. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Okay, so now we have our fun introduction, um, <laughs> which we'll record the top of later, but I'm going to hop right in because I'm super excited about this week's guests. Um, we have Steph and Jen from Mod the Pod. Hi, how are you? Great, <laughs> how are you? We're happy to be here. Good. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Well, I was super excited about this and I've been talking to Austin about it forever um, <laughs> because I found your podcast months ago now and I just love it. Um, Lucy Maud Montgomery is obviously a Canadian icon and that's like the most concise way to say something about such a legend. Um, and I won't talk about her anymore because I know we have experts among us. <laughs> But, it's always interesting to hear what other people think and know and feel about her, though. Yeah. I mean, what can I say other than I feel like you can't grow up in Canada without running into her, and rightly so. I think that that's the first thing I really remember about the East Coast provinces, <laughs> to be honest. Right. Um, when my dad immigrated, he went to New Brunswick first, and he was like, it's all like Anne of Green Gables, even though she's not from this like province like mm -hmm. she's huge so just a literary icon and I think that's what got me so excited about your podcast is that I had never really learned much about her as a person other than she was a writer and I had no idea about her life or her personality or all the amazing things she did and the hardships she went through um so yeah I just have to ask like what inspired you to kind of take a harder look at her life? I read it. it. I don't know if you read Anna Green Gables, but I don't remember. And then Jenny and I have been friends since we were kids in our little town. And Jenny's grandma knew Maude, was in the same, was, was in the congregation. In that Ontario, Ellen yeah. husband. Yeah, in Ontario. So um, that's kind of the, in the beginning. And then when we started to learn more and unravel more about her life, um, when the news came out in 2008 that she had actually, it, her death had actually been a death by suicide mm -hmm. that um, really prompted Jenny and I to kind of go deeper, read the journals. And we were hooked. Like I was mm -hmm. already hooked as like a nerdy kid, but then I was hooked as a grown woman as mm -hmm. to like what was going on behind all of this. Amazing. And that's sort of, that's what started it all. Wow. And Jen, the same for you, you grew up I definitely grew up yes grew up with yeah. her books uh, specifically and I mean the big one Stephanie right. knows every book heart, off by heart like so how many well. times you've read each one Steph you're our literary our literary uh, prof professional on the mod works absolutely <laughs> um so so I had the Anne series as my kind of launching pad but yeah. it was the connection I was making with my grandmother that really prompted me to start digging more because there's stories that you kind of try to weave it together and and uh then when Steph and I talked about the 2008 article I thought oh she you know death by suicide this woman who wrote Anna Green Gables what's going on mm -hmm. you know and and uh I ended up going in the library uh my local library at the time 
one day, I don't even know what prompted me to go in there, but, and then I, I do go to libraries, but just this one specific day, I'm not really sure what brought me there. And I was looking on the shelves and the journals just popped out at me. Like I just saw them all spread out and I started reading and it just, I couldn't even leave. I mean, and I started at the end actually, because I was, I was so curious. So I went to the last one right on the last page and I read the last few entries and I wow. thought, oh no, yeah, is what I thought. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then I just kept going backwards and then talked to Sydney and kind of went from there. Wow. Yeah, prior to listening to your podcast, I didn't, podcast, I didn't know she had such a troubled life. Mm-hmm. Like I grew up, I actually grew up in the town next to the Lucy Mama Gumbry house where that town is located oh. next to Leesdale. Oh. So I wasn't really brought up learning all that like dark detail it was kind of just like the positive I was taught in school mm-hmm. yeah I don't even think they knew much about her in school like this really has all kind of come to the fore in the last 15-20 years really it's kind of still seeping up isn't it yeah what a great point and I think like to that kind of reminds me of I don't know if you guys remember when they were choosing like what Canadian woman to put on you know one of the bills yes and every single province only knew about like their specific person like everyone in Ontario was like oh obviously Laura Secord and everyone in like out east is like well obviously like Lucy Maud Montgomery (laughs) and it was like there's so much to unpack and there's so much more that we don't know yet that you know is great in a way because there's so much room there but it's also a little sad when you think about it like we should definitely you know know a little more um but I think like too Going back to your podcast, something I was really inspired by, um, which I'm a little biased, I have worked in archives before, but you went to the archives to look at the Lucy Maud Montgomery collection. What was that like? I got to say, Sophia and I are big glam nerds, so we're super into this kind of stuff. (laughs) Library, archives related, yes, heavily. Well, it was, it, it was be- it's beautiful. You yeah. should go when you have time. It's I at know. the University of Guelph. So it's not that hard for us, I think, located where we are to get there. It's, it's beautifully put together. And it also, mm-hmm. like, I couldn't believe what we were allowed to see for yeah, some reason. Same. Is that what you thought, Jenny? Like, I well, thought- when we were, Yeah, absolutely. Touching all her stuff, I, it almost yeah. felt invasive. But at the same time, we were respectful. So I was okay oh, yeah. doing it. But... At the same time, it was awesome. I was like, I can't believe I'm touching these yeah. things that were hers you know yeah it's incredible it's really great like I feel like sometimes people don't know what's available to them as members of the public through archives and like it's just phenomenal like the things you can touch which is crazy like yes you're wearing gloves but it's still up close and personal and it's Mm -hmm. wonderful so and it's amazing what you bring uh, um your lens in this century in this day yeah. to these things that you're a different person and you can bring another perspective yes. that people mm-hmm. haven't before you you mm-hmm. know this thing is a living document yeah. over time and I think that's what's really exciting and we have some peers that um have a podcast about Louisa, Louisa May Alcott and they've spent a lot of time in the archives and they have a similar experience I'd say wouldn't you stuff to like their yeah. living of the the documents of the hard facts hard pieces because things keep filtering. They're let genius burn, by the way, and they're brilliant people. Mm-hmm. Louisa Malcott, if you want to deep dive on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, um, but the thing, the thing that I always find so interesting is it's never, it's not over just because you know Anna Green Gables is published. There are still 
short stories that are being compiled together that are being found. There are still like postcards that meet, that are so interesting to us that are being yeah. found. There was the underwear found in the, in yeah. the walls. Was it mods? Was yes. it not? <laughs> <laughs> we like to think like, so. <laughs> with all of us out here doing our, like our armchair detectiving, like we yeah. keep finding and sleuthing and, and she's still, she's still here. And when all of this stuff is unpacked about her life, when we hear about her, like her, her, her life um, dealing with mental health and her dealing with her difficult family and all these things and her balancing her work-life balance with her children and all these things that are like current right now, yeah. bell talk issues, these things, like it just makes her so vital and vibrant and also I had a point when I kind of fell out of love with her work when I got older and I'm like, oh, this is bull like this. I can't identify with it. But now knowing her and knowing what was going on, now mm -hmm. I go back as a woman rereading this stuff, her work, this stuff, her work, and it changes the work. The work has now changed because I see it from a different point of view now, knowing what I know about her and her family and everything that's going on, you know? And so the work has changed and the work has become more current to me, mm -hmm. you know, I read stuff. I'm like, whoa, like that, that was that about this pandemic or what? Was that 1918 or 2022, you know? <laughs> so she, like, she changed, she's coming up. She's, she's, yeah. she's a very like modern mod, you know, which, <laughs> which blew our minds unraveling as we were going through all of her work. Mm -hmm. It was mm -hmm. so thrilling. I love that. And I have to say, like, speaking of Let Genius Burn, which I also adore, great podcast. Yeah. Um, that happened to me when I reread Little Women as an adult, where I was like, I don't think it's right that they should, you know, have to be good. And again, going back and like learning more about Louise's life and like, you know, the whole publishing world, which I also want to talk to you guys about because you have an incredible episode that talks about the publishing world Lucy Maud Montgomery had to go up against. Um, I think that does influence it and like, you know, what publishers allowed to be published, what they influenced. And also I'm really interested in, you know, the fact that as a woman, she, ha she had to go to bat for herself. And the whole thing that you guys were talking about like the Canadian Authors Association and her role there. Can you speak to that a little bit? I don't want to put you on the spot, but it was so fascinating to me and kind of like what Canada deems as literature and popular fiction. That that almost seems like so many other essays when I look at that part of Maud's life, like that's yeah. who she is in terms of her influence, her longevity as a feminist icon. I mean, to imagine her, you can imagine how she would have felt being somebody who was read by everyone, adored yeah. by everyone, lauded around the world, male, female, different age groups, whatever. Then it, she just got relegated into this youth authorship, which, and I think Louise May Alcott, this, the same thing. We talked about that with James Byrne podcast, but it's, it's not to say that the youth literature is not valid because it is, but even the fact that we might even yeah. consider it less than is a problem in and of itself. So it's yeah. kind of like this, it's like women and children first. It's the same idea. It's like yeah. putting it over there and neither is true. Yeah. So, I mean, that's my point with that. Stephanie, do you have anything more that you want to say about Deacon um, and the group? Sure. So the, the, the stuff I found that's, so there were two, two points I think that you were 
asking about the first thing was when she went up against her publisher, Elsie Page, in a court mm -hmm. battle that went on for years. Mm -hmm. um, Maud fought. She wasn't getting enough money. Basically, she, there's a whole bunch of, like, there's a whole bunch. At some point, they're arguing about, like, is this actually red, a red-headed woman on the cover of this <laughs> book? Like, that went on for a day um, at court. Okay. But what was really going on was she was getting ripped off. She wasn't getting the amount of money per, um, per book. Mm. that the men were getting or that people that pe that she should have been given uh and then he started to like he was he he's he took stories that without her permission and published them under a book yeah. further chronicles of avonlea p.s Elsie <laughs> page just going through eh, this will sell and picking up without her permission and she was mortified yeah. that was also part of the lawsuit so she went and fought this to try to and she in the end, she didn't even make very much money. It wasn't about the money. It was about him taking control over her mm -hmm. art and her work and ripping mm -hmm. her off. And she said she did it because other women couldn't do it. She had a lot of money. Like she'd mm -hmm. done really mm -hmm. well. And she had some, and she had support of her family. Like she could go in a way, like they would, she had a maid who could help. Right. She had these things that she could go and do it. And she was tenacious. Yeah. So that's that thing that I don't think it's enough attention that she, did that and then the second part the canadian um authors association she also did so much to kind of to further um canadian east coast writers mm -hmm. um even when things were terrible in her home life when like when it was just a dumpster fire underneath her she still would there are letters to people um just telling them like this is how i wrote novels if you're interested yeah. i did this and that write what you know like these long letters encouraging mm -hmm. young women um, encouraging East Coast writers. She started a, a section of the Canadian Writers Guild. Amazing. And these dudes were just, hey, I don't know. I don't know what their beef was. We don't, Jenny, any, who knows what the beef was with Maude? I think it was just considered less than romantic dribble. It was just like, you don't really count. Like that's, that's not important. We are on a different uh, bent now. We're talking about things outside of the box. And Maude could have, if she wanted to, she could have rallied in there. It wasn't like she wasn't able. Yeah. She just, she had her style, which was not less than, but it got considered that way. It was yeah. post-war, so everything they wanted to write about, the bleakness, the darkness. Mm -hmm. and Minimalist more too. Like, I see, yeah, like, I see the darkness, but I also see the light, so let's write about that. Mm -hmm. It's just, uh, she wasn't popular, you know, even though she was popular, she was selling, like, her books were yeah. selling, she, she was popular, just these, these groups were not inclusive you know but then there was a bump again like when carol shields margaret atwood all of those women mm -hmm, came forward mm -hmm. and said this woman influenced me this woman yeah. made me who i this was like hey i'm i'm talking big but when they said there are these statements that they're so influenced by her writing mm -hmm. so with that came another wave then people started to look at her and scholars like there's wicked essays all over the place about ella montgomery now that you can read about any part of of like if you want to look at it from a queer point of view if you want to look at it from poverty point of view if you want to look like it's amazing it's amazing all of that is out there now but that's mm -hmm. there was another shift that happened so now we're coming up with Maudie you know she's back so and for that we're 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 grateful it's incredible and like I think too just kind of going back to what you were saying about like living documents and like shifting perceptions like that's really interesting and straight off the bat, like in your podcast, which I adore, you kind of introduced it as we don't claim to know the full story and we never can. How do you go about loving someone when you dwell in like 
uncertainty about what truly happened like does that influence you know your interest in her work like do you feel like now that you're reading it again and there's all these different contexts as you said like it's a new wave it's floating back do you feel like you know her better after all your research I I definitely absolutely you feel I feel I know her better um still recognize that it's one lens and uh and Stephanie and I this is probably the best part of our research was really going back and forth with each other about what we each thought and and riffing on well what could it have been what about this through all these alts right and exploring those and some of them we didn't even talk about in the podcast some mm-hmm. of them we still consider but uh we didn't bring up you know and, and right. where's the truth i don't know could be any of them where's the truth in any of our lives right like it's all this- <laughs> <laughs> no, like, like it makes like I'm like oh well like that's just my book like it's it's all yeah. about just points of view right so and, true. but there's certain things that are facts like she did go to court and fought Elsie Page she did mm-hmm. have a husband who um battled um who lived with mental illness mm-hmm. she herself dealt with lived with mental illness like there's things that are there are things that are like we call I always call it supposition station like I'm like oh I'm making some major <laughs> here. I gotta check myself but there were also facts you know like there were you know medical documents right. you know that these things were happening and these court documents so there is truth in that but it is like like that's what we said in the first episode biography is a, like what we just regurgitated what mod said biography is a screaming farce because mm-hmm. it is it's just us like loving this lady and wanting other people to know about. And I hope that th- th- it's just our point of view and it's just us with, we have some stuff we want to get off our, our, yeah. our brains. Yeah. We want to share that. Well, and even, God the you facts, do. Like, even those facts need context. Like we've yeah. always talked about how we wish we could see the original documents from the Homewood mental assignment asylum where you and right. because what, what did they say? Mm-hmm. How did they contextualize what he's going through, you know? And even if they did say something back in the thirties about what he was going through, what was their, ver- like, what was their wording? Mm-hmm. How accurate was it? What would we say today? Like, it's just all, yeah, supposition. We don't know. We have it's our guests. Interesting. It's- I think it's important to recognize that there always is that degree of separation when talking about historical figures and it's okay to have that uncertainty. Yeah, yeah I, I think so too. Like, I don't, I hope we didn't come across like, we had all the answers we were just telling like yeah it, it is interesting and it is interesting that when you read other people's biographies it's interesting you're like oh what was why do you have such a bang up hang up on that like what is that about yeah. me like I know between Jenny and I there were things that really resonated with Jenny about her life and certain things that resonated with me and mm-hmm. because we live different lives you know mm-hmm. and it's just perspective you know um yeah. but I guess like the big thing we want all we like all I wanted all we wanted I think is I wanted people to read her books and not think they were just these like wincy little girl stories you know what I mean mm-hmm. I wanted people to give her a sh- give her a chance so mm-hmm. throw mm-hmm. her on this platform and see you know definitely and yeah. it's really well like planned out I love that each episode focuses kind of on one section while still being on the continuum yeah you could have gone so many ways and we originally talked about all the different ways you could go how how are we going to divide it up how many what was the focus like what were the key components we wanted to break down I just wanted to ask on your process because you set out with six six episodes in mind did you write all six episodes at once or did you take it episode by episode 
we wrote, we knew we kind of had a, um, we had a skeleton, like when you're writing a script, like we had a skeleton idea, yeah. like episode one was going to be this. I had a lot of like recipe cards with like, <laughs> as mother as well. Like I didn't know what yeah. it was going to be. So we did that. We did a lot of like planning out like a storyboard. Mm -hmm. And then through that, we collected the cards. I could see them all out on the floor. And then we saw like, oh, this story, this story of, of Elsie Page needs to be told this story of mental health and mental and dealing with mental illness has to be told right. based on just the amount of cards and what stories we wanted to tell. Mm -hmm. So it was mapped out and then written like one at a time, just so we wouldn't go. But crazy. not sequentially. It was really kind of in bits and pieces all over, wasn't it? Like we had to loop back again and make we sure the intro back for sure. looped through, but, but we kind of chipped away at them. I feel like we didn't sequentially, but then would, of course, like if you talked about one thing in episode four, you'd have to go back and that would kind of like yeah. affect episodes one to th through three. But that yeah. was kind of like a more painful on the editing side was just kind of like, oh, we mentioned sure. that. We got to go back and like take it's it out. Right. That's incredible. And I, yeah, I just, I really liked that. And there was something that I was going to say and I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> I was too wrapped up in the research. Sorry. Um, that's okay. What did, did you like, did, so you read Alan Montgomery growing up or Anne growing up? I or? just read Anne growing up and it was so long ago, but honestly, yeah. I feel like, yeah, through osmosis, it's like you, you know, every time it's on the TV and every like, oh yeah, you know, commercial for the Eastern provinces, it's culturally there mm -hmm. and everyone knows what you're talking about, which yeah. is, yeah, incredible. Like, and Austin, did you read any at all? Like, because you grew up, what town, what, what town did you grow up in? In Uxbridge. Oh, you're you in Uxbridge. Okay. Yeah. Great. Which is about 15 minutes east of Leeskdale. But yeah, I did have the exposure when I was younger. I'll be honest. Most of my recollection of Anne of Green Gables and Lucy Montgomery is the PBS cartoon. Yeah. yeah. On That's channel awesome. two every day. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was also wondering, you know, there's been a lot of like adaptations, which is amazing. And it makes sense for how long this legacy has gone on. Do you guys have any favorites or recommendations for people? <laughs> um, I, <laughs> it feels like it could be hot water. I, I think I'm nostalgic about the Sullivan adaptation. The one from the 80, from 85. There's nostalgia there for sure. But that's wrapped with a lot of other things too. But I think we we both love Megan Follows. That goes without saying. Oh, for sure, for sure. But I um I also really enjoyed Anne with an E. Mm -hmm. Um, I the acting is ama amazing. Um, I really enjoyed that as well. Like what? But if someone was really interested in Ella Montgomery and wanted to go further, I would definitely suggest anything by um, Mary Rubio or Elizabeth Waterston. Um, Gift of Wings or Magic Island, they really, both of them unpack her life. Like they are the two, they are the ultimate Ellen Montgomery scholars. So mm -hmm. if you pick up anything by those two, they're, they're the, like, they're the, they're the president and, and, and prime minister of Ellen Montgomery. Yes. And Mary Rubio knew her son. They, they oh. became friends. So mm -hmm. she has sometimes she's willing to share some anecdotal stories, which got layered into our research and our thinking that's our great. perspective some of those stories we thought oh yeah. <laughs> but also mean? everybody like everybody is like oh we all everybody is like we stand on the 
on the shoulders of Rubio and Waterston because they're they're legends. They're the mm -hmm. they're the they're the ones. Wow. <laughs> I just wanted to hop back a bit. You said you had um, access to the archives doing your research. Have you had the opportunity to visit like the museums and the historical centers? Yes, we have. We, we've done a few things around the countryside. Um, <laughs> Steph and I, do you remember, how long ago was it we went to that play in Uxbridge, actually? Was it in Uxbridge? Maybe eight years ago. Yeah, it was at the Mance. Um, yeah. Yeah, we, we've been there in Leeskdale. We've done, I've been to the Bala Museum. Oh, also go to the, if you're in Bala, go to the Ella Montgomery Museum in Bala. It's amazing. <laughs> it's just, there are incredible folks who run it. Yeah. And like we've been a PEI, of course. Yeah. It's, it's been a long time for me though. I wouldn't mind going yeah. back, yeah. You know, especially now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see it's very surreal to hear people talking about Uxbridge. Like it's an actual <laughs> real place. Not just it's real. <laughs> oh, I love Uxbridge. Mom talked about it a lot. She used to go there. Like, it's a regular name in her, in her journals. Yeah, nice. if you read the further, Austin, jump into journal three and it'll just yeah. be Uxbridge, Start there. Uxbridge. Uxbridge. <laughs> Uxbridge things. That's I'll great. Put it on my TBR. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. It's it's funny how I feel like she makes the world feel smaller. Like she definitely feels like a very real person, which is really cool. And I wanted to get your opinion too on um the Heritage Minute that was released. So great. And I think that was the first time I had heard that she even, you know struggled with mental health issues sometimes i was shocked i think like i had that image of like her in my mind as a, a very like wholesome you know happy person which as you point out in your podcast she was both probably mm -hmm. um and so yeah i just wanted to get your opinion on that i love the heritage moment i thought it was beautiful like of course i cry like a baby like i'm like yeah. oh there she is <laughs> There's her story. Yes. Like, I think yeah. I thought it was beautifully done. Um, yeah, I, I, I really dug that heritage moment, you know? And More she was she wholesome in a lot of ways. Like, she was quite Puritan on a lot of fronts. So it wasn't yeah. all just, it wasn't no. all make-believe. Like, she really came from that. Yeah. Um, but Like, she wasn't Anne, but she was born in Victorian time. Like, she's a Victorian yeah. Edwardian Woman. And even even go backward because she was raised by her grandparents who right. were so much older. She was raised like raised with those values and even that language. Like I think about my own grandmother because she her she was a late baby, mm -hmm. uh, so her father I think was in his late fifties and right. she, she was homeschooled for a while because they didn't even call it that then. They just they were on the farm, was busy, so yeah. she didn't even go to school till she was older. Being raised by people who were from a different era mm -hmm. and. So my own grandmother spoke in a different way than even her peers. Right. Her language was different, right. uh, more archaic. And I think that Maude had a little bit of that, that aspect to herself as well. Like she mm -hmm. was just, the way she was, was a bit different. Not just because, yeah, I think that was part of it. She was being raised by her grandparents. She was on her own in that house, like other than the boys right. that came through, you know, she didn't have her siblings mm -hmm. and uh, didn't have a mother or father who was close to her age more, much older yeah so books were her friend like as much as mm -hmm. she was an Anne, she was kind of like she was a lonesome girl she had cousins and things but but she did like it she her friends were books you know and she's yeah. lucky enough to have some you know and be bright enough that people would would give her books a, a few you know but that is true like she did like people said they would always see her talking to herself um 
mapping out stories and that she did hold herself differently than her you know than the other cousins and the other like she was she was known as being a bit of an oddball you know which I like but um but she yeah so there there was that part of her that was similar to Anne too Mm -hmm. um but but people think she is Anne and she's not like that's 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 a that's something that consistently comes up yeah that's really interesting I guess too you know that part I kind of expected, but then like hearing the parts of like her journals when she's talking about like boys or like going on carriage rides. Again, a whole nother facet to her personality. I had no idea existed. And what was that like reading about? Like, did you like, did that kind of like, you know, make you read through Anne again and have like a separate opinion of, oh my gosh, like (laughs) you're a different person. You are not Anne. Like, did that like yeah because she said like if she was always that really bothered her she didn't like to age up her heroines Emily or Pat or anyone because she knew she couldn't write what was real how how women young women were really feeling Mm -hmm. because then that the 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 male publishers the LC pages wouldn't let it be published so she had to create these kind of treacly romances it was great when we found all this like the sexy like it's not like it's not let's be it's honest. not even that racy, <laughs> it's but. not that hot but it's something and you're like oh my god like this this is a sexual woman like young yeah. like woman who's living her life and and loving these boys and leading on these boys and blah 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 like I, we were buzzing it was so it was like the parts of Anne you're like oh come on like <laughs> those parts were filled in finally yeah. you know mm-hmm. the stuff that you were like eye roll through you know like she and Gilbert holding a hand at the end or whatever is hand yeah. you're like oh and, and they're so they're so platonic kind of like with that little yes. hint of romance but it's not that it's not a hot romance Gilbert and Anne and like whereas when she talked about Herman the way she describes every nuanced moment and she yeah. fixated and retold every little detail like, <laughs> yeah. it could have been in a calendar and then on Sunday at 10 <laughs> he did this like it was like really like laid out mm-hmm. and all those details she was she she built up she played with them she she toyed in that world and and she was feeling it and loving it like it was beyond the Gilbert Ann thing definitely wow so. For sure. We were into it for sure. Definitely. Yeah. (laughs) It just feels like throughout all the episodes, like, you know, continually, continually, like through your research, like there are so many things that just, just show how before her time she was. And now that like we can apply these modern concepts to it, it's just been amazing because you can definitely see how she wanted things that people today want. She did Mm -hmm. things that people today do. And she had to hide certain things because the world wasn't ready for it, or she didn't know she, how she to could have used. It. She could have used a lot of what is today with her struggles yeah. at home, like how much privacy she kept around what was yeah. really happening. It's it's very tragic reading it. Yeah, yeah. Who's alone? It's very like intense, and I felt like you both treated it with like such respect and very you know respectful of privacy and understanding of like you know, we can never really know what goes on in someone's life, but there are certain parts that were read out in the podcast episode where your heart does break for her because she talks about how everyone thinks that she's this super happy, super successful person. And she kind of says like, if they only knew, like I'm, you know what I mean? Um, And it's, it's really sad that someone that talented and like kind really, a 
right? In her had heart, to go, yeah, kind yeah, of. Yeah, had to go through that. But it almost, you know, humanizes her in a way that is very relatable today for a lot of people, I feel like. So it almost feels like she's breaking stigma even after she's gone, which is really profound. She is, she is like people, um, just, just that we can honor, honor this woman, like that she had to hide it for so long mm -hmm. and that her family now is open enough to talk about this. That's yeah. very brave and cool. Mm -hmm. And so she is breaking down these boundaries. It's that thing that we're talking about. It's still, she's still current. She's still morphing and changing and in yeah. and out. And that just, and I think it, it, like, it gives some comfort to me. Like this woman was up against all this terrible stuff mm -hmm. and she, or what, like challenging issues. And she kept going like that's, that is inspirational, you know, like that isn't like an eye roll Anna Green Gables tomorrow's always fresh with no mistakes in a quote. That's like a really tough woman who was brilliant, who just kept making her art. That's cool. Like yeah. that's something I can make a six part podcast about, yeah. you know, like that's, yeah, she, 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 it, it, it is so sad though. When we, when we read all of the all of the stuff in the later years, you're like, I just wish she could just call up a therapist, call up a pal yeah. and be like, Hey, this yeah. sucks. I need help. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. I, I need help. And yeah, you and needed real help too. Not, not, and even how they were dealing with people in the as asylums, mm -hmm. electroshock therapy, like it's just terrible. Yeah. I mean, the treatment of anyone who was a little bit different during that time is shocking. I've worked with archival records of, you know, residents of like houses of industry and like the names oh, wow. that people were called were like horrific. Like it's really something that you look back on and realize, you know, this influenced so many people and just wasn't dealt with. It's like you said, they're alone, like they're very solitary and almost mm -hmm. abandoned, which mm -hmm. is really hard to read through. It was. But throughout all of that, yeah. she kept public speaking. She kept yeah. um, writing. So the later books, like she was escaping in these. It's also went also on top of all of it. When I read, say, like Pat of Silverbush or Mistress Pat, like I know what was going on in her life, and I'm like, yeah. oh my god, like she created this little world to escape into. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. it was a little perfection, a little place where she could be safe, and 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 so she didn't have a therapist but she had these characters that she sort of you know yeah that she that she poured herself into you know because there was her escape like her art was her salvation my other one was I really loved a point you made when you were talking about Canada like Lucy Maud Montgomery is writing about Canada and how you know I feel like sometimes when people are going through school and we're reading like really dense, really like proper literature, it's hard to find something that speaks to people. And there was a great quote that I'm going to butcher, but you guys were talking about the fact that people in small towns have conversations just as thought provoking as people in New York. People in small towns have, you know, meaningful, exciting, like fulfilling lives. And writing about that and kind of, you know, giving it the attention it deserves is really important. Do you feel like if Lucy Maud Montgomery was American or European or something that would kind of give a different context to her work? Do you feel like there's something unique about the Canadian factor? I think very much. I feel that like she, she was, uh, 
she she was a regional writer. She wrote about what she knew. Um, and and that to me as a little kid growing up, and we talk about it in the podcast, Jenny and I are from the from the country, we're from Owen Sound. And uh and that gave me that made me make my world feel more important. Uh, my world I thought wasn't very important. I thought I wasn't very important. Um, and she wrote about oddballs. Well, I'm an oddball. She wrote about girls who grew up on a dirt road. I grew up on a dirt road. Like, so those girls, even though I was a hundred years behind them, they were me. And she just made me feel like I had value. And she made me feel like my voice mattered. And she, uh, she did all that. She did all that for me. Cause I've been in so like, I've been, I'm real deep and, uh, like there's things in my life now as a woman I'm looking back I'm like oh my god how did I why was I doing that I'm like oh that's because Emily did that or Pat did that or (laughs) Jane of Lantern Hill did that like nuts but like she I she really like validated my life and uh gave me work towards you know and for better Mm -hmm. for worse I kind of I tried to do that because she made it cool so I think it's so important the specificity of her writing was so important, at least to me, like it was really important to me. And I think it was important to a lot of young, young people growing up in Canada. I think that what's a great testament to her writing is that she was, it's even greater that she made such a splash being from nowhere, Canada, back at the turn of the last century. So I actually think like, if, and to your point, same thing, Steph, but she could have written that maybe from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I think it was more the point that it was her creating these characters. They could have been, she would have, I think, been as successful no matter where. I really do. I think it's just exceptional that she happened to be from our country, from PI, and made this world happen. But obviously the world was hungry mm-hmm. and wanted this, and it was tapping into something for everybody. And I mean, the character of Anne, I, I, she's just a very inspirational young character. And it's not even about all of her innocence. I just think that she, I think the way Maude wrote it, it must have, I mean, I'm not Lord Grey, you know, at the turn of the century. I don't know what he was all about. I've never researched him. But why did this man, why was he so taken with this character? And I can only imagine it's because the character of Anne, she's just a very uplifting character, but not uplifting like a Pollyanna or anything else. There's something deeper about her. I don't know if it's because she's clever and and silly and, and uh, thought-provoking and and sensitive like I don't know but there's something about her that's different than maybe a Pollyanna for instance well she'd lived through so much right the character and they deal with that name with an e really well like everything she'd gone through she'd been an orphan in or in an in in these orphanages like she'd been been at different terrible foster situations like those are like this was a girl this magical girl who went through hell and back and then came back and landed with this couple. And so that, that gives her a lot of, if you re- like as an adult reading Anna Bryn Gables, you're like that poor little girl. Yeah. No wonder they kept her. Like when they yeah. let her stay for a bit, like Marilla lets her stay. You're like, yeah, this girl's been through who, nightmares. Like, yeah. who, like it's, so that's another layer to her that makes her very like current and interesting. It's like, Oh, she didn't just let grow up in Prince Edward Island. Like she had this terrible history. She yeah. did. It was dark. It's dark, you know. And mm-hmm. despite it, she's this magical creature, you know. It's not everyone who gets a William Desmond Taylor film. 
<laughs> so it's quite the character. <laughs> when I heard that in the podcast, I was thrilled. We were film majors and we were like, William Desmond Taylor. <laughs> like, what? Oh fascinating side yeah and i loved like mod's feedback on like a skunk wouldn't be there like the american flag like for pete's sake (laughs) it's just there's a picture of Anne holding a gun like in one of the stills Anne has a gun and she's got it like up against avonlea like it's bananas (laughs) so you two being (laughs) film majors and then knowing more about him than i would really doesn't tell her Did you make any interesting connections hearing about this to him? I thought it was really interesting. I like, I don't know him as well as like, I don't do a lot of silent film era stuff. I was more like pre-code Hollywood. I don't know about you, Austin, your thoughts on William Desmond Taylor. I don't want to speak for you. Um, But I thought it was interesting because he worked with Mary Pickford, I think at one point. And I was like, a Canadian let him do this to the film? (laughs) I was like, what? Mm -hmm. Uh, I always wondered, I was like, why didn't Mary Pickford, why wasn't she Anne? You know, I I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. And she played like girls until she was like 25 or something. I was like, that would have been. Yeah. It's so fraught. Like even that story, I'm like, I remember when I first heard it, I was like, what? Like, (laughs) and then I went on this to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery and they're like, and this is the blah, 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 Anna Green Gables. I was like, oh, what? Like, Pause. Everywhere Everybody I pause. go, she's popping <laughs> out. Oh man, Austin, do you have any William Desmond Taylor? No. I am not super familiar, so no. Okay, <laughs> need to put you on the spot. I was like, do you have any thoughts? Um, but yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, yeah, she really does kind of bring the world together. Even like the references to like the Japanese interest in like Anne of Green Gables, like just fascinating um and you're right like i think to the time period she was in like post-war and like children's rights really being like examined and her own childhood like really really interesting influences so i just loved hearing about that i have one last burning question that's kind of been answered already but i had to ask anyway what does mod mean to both of you it's a loaded question (laughs) it's like (laughs) hot seat so don't feel rushed (laughs) Well, I would say that to me, Mod 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 has validated like going into this deep dive with Mod. It's validated my childhood, and it's mm-hmm. made me, um, Mod Mod. I don't know. Mod has become this like I I find her her writing is cool. She is cool. Um, I want people to know about her. I'm really proud mm-hmm. of her, which is kind of crazy. But to me, Mod is someone who hasn't really had the emotional, there's been a lot written about her writing, but not a lot about her as a human mm-hmm. and everything she's gone through. And I think it's important to me, Maude is her writing and her life. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's some an important story to tell. So to me, and people were always like, why didn't Maude write more? Maude always wanted to write like a, hu- a, a beautiful um, grown up novel for adults. Um, why didn't she do that? But my argument would be like, she did just read her journals, you know, like that's, she did write the, the, the novel and it's her journals. So what do you think, Jenny? Um, I think similar to what you're saying, like, yeah, I definitely want people to know more about her and, and how exceptional she was in terms of personally, what she means to me. 
I, I think she's so impressive because she, I believe she pushed every boundary she felt she could in her mm-hmm. context. Like she really did. You, you want her to go further because we're looking at it a hundred years later, but she could only go as far as she could go. And she did a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that she serves as a reminder to encouragement to keep pushing. So mm-hmm. for me, it's, it's, it's pushing outside norms. It's not being silent about things that are troublesome, even if it makes others uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that she was very good at that. Like she, she with again within the context, she did the best she could in the world she in which she was living. Yeah. I think you know it would be interesting to see today. She she would be very vocal today. She would yeah. I don't believe she'd be silent about much. I lied. I have one more question. <laughs> <laughs> Will there be more episodes? Do you guys plan to do anything else? I was going to ask. Yeah. Do you have any more projects on the horizon? We don't, we've, we've been talking a little bit about it. We'll see, like people are being very kind. So that makes Mm -hmm. us feel good. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens with it. It has been amazing. Just talking to people like just through Instagram, people all over the world who've been so influenced by her. Like it, it blows my mind. People who reach out from everywhere about her and that she's reached all these people all over the world it is inspiring. Like, I don't know, maybe something about that. That'd be interesting, but there's always, we could talk about mod forever, um, in lots of different ways. And I don't know if that'll lend itself into a season two, but we'll, we'll, we, we could do it, you know, we're We're crossing our fingers. We're crossing our fingers. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening and caring and investing. Really encouraging. It was incredible. I've already recommended it to like 10 friends. It was amazing. Um, and I just wanted to thank you guys so much for coming on the show. We really like talking. Yeah, thank to you both so much. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us. I really like your pod, so thank you. Thank, thank you. you.